This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. I read with absolute delight that one million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine that South Africa initially bought has been sold to the African Union to help 20 other countries inoculate their health workers. It did get me wondering, however, how the rest of the continent has been faring with the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm delighted to speak to Ryan Cummings, a director of Signal Risk, a risk management consultancy with a special focus on Africa. Ryan, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me as always, Sherry. Ryan, what is the situation in Africa? Has it been as badly hit as many people thought it would be? Well, I don't think necessarily, but, you know, the important caveat is that, you know, we can only dictate um, or, or have an assessment of the actual, uh, you know, COVID pandemic or the scale of the COVID, uh, COVID pandemic on the African continent based on, you know, testing. And unfortunately, when we do look at the um, testing capacity of several African countries or the majority of African countries, I should say, in comparison to the rest of the world, um, we do see quite a um, significant lag. So, you know, while numbers, infection numbers and related fatalities, for example, might be quite quite low um, in many African countries in comparison to, for example, the European counterparts, um, the reality might be that there's just not enough testing. Um, that's taking place. And then there's a few worrying countries in this regard. For example, in Tanzania, there's just been an outright denial um, that COVID is even an, an issue within the country. Um, you know, there is very, very limited um, testing taking place, usually on more on a private sector level as opposed to a, a public sector. The wearing of masks has been discouraged, um, you know, by the government of President John Magufuli. Instead, you know, um, the population has been um, asked to rather uh, pray about the, the um, you know, wider COVID pandemic um, and that these prayers have been successful in kind of insulating um, Tanzania, you know, from, um, from the outbreak. Um, and, and, and that's a, a really worrying concern because there are reports coming out of Tanzania, for example, um, of, of quite significant excess deaths, you know, many individuals dying from what has been classified as as acute pneumonia in the country and burials taking place during the midnight hours, you know, by, uh, you know, state um, state undertakers, if I can call them that, to kind of paper over and conceal um, the fact that there is, um, there is a situation in the country where we're seeing quite significant um, deaths, but which are not necessarily being attributed to its um, actual cause. That's Tanzania. What about? I know there were some high-profile deaths in Zimbabwe. A couple of, well, at least two ministers in Zimbabwe, our neighbouring country, um, and also the fact that our borders have been opened and closed and opened between our uh, African neighbours, Mozambique and Zimbabwe. To what extent are we infecting each other? That's that's such a good point. I think the the, the key concern in the southern African region, obviously, is. Um, the fact that a um, you know South Africa is is in a much better position in terms of overall uh, public healthcare resources, even though you know we might feel that it's quite limited within our country. You know there is um, it's certainly uh, you know more more improved and wide more widely available um, than within the SADC region and also the socioeconomic dynamics in in many of um, our, our neighbours, specifically Zimbabwe, Malawi, um, you know Mozambique to to a lesser extent as well means that a lot of, um, you know, individuals who are uh, kind of providing um, some form of remittance to, um, you know, to, to, to their, their, their families within Zimbabwe and, and within Malawi and, 
and other neighboring countries are doing so due to employment opportunities that they're receiving in, in South Africa. And, you know, we've just moved outside of the holiday season when we do see quite a lot of, uh, you know, migrant movements, if I can call them that, um, you know, within the SADC region. And that's obviously, you know, the, the big the big concern is, is that South Africa was the hardest hit and is still the hardest hit, um, you know, African country in terms of overall uh, you know, coronavirus um, infections and associated fatalities. We do know that there have been variants, um, you know, of the COVID um, virus within South Africa, which has been deemed to be more infectious, um, and that this has likely been contracted by those migrant laborers who returned in, you know, to their families um, in neighboring countries over the holiday season and likely, you know, aided in the spread, um, you know, of the, um, on, of the virus within those countries, which, as I mentioned, doesn't have, you know, kind of widespread and developed public health care infrastructure. And I think that, you know, it does explain some of the high profile uh, deaths that we saw in, in Zimbabwe. Malawi was another country that also saw several parliamentarians um, and senior government, you know, succumbing to what was deemed to be coronavirus related complications. And obviously the uh, border restrictions that South Africa um, imposed and which was just subsequently eased, um, you know, by President Cyril Ramaphosa, prevented at the time, you know, many of these senior government officials of receiving healthcare treatments in South Africa, which they generally tended to do, you know, even prior to the pandemic, you know, due to the lack of, um, of, of, of you know, comparable um, healthcare services within their own country. So, so it is quite a... a, a, a uh, significantly dire situation that we've seen uh, play out across the, the SADC region in recent weeks and months. You spoke about underreporting of cases due to lack of facilities, but are there African countries, I remember right at the beginning when, when COVID um, hit us, there were countries like Botswana that seemed to fare better than other African countries. Are there are there some African countries that haven't been as badly affected? No, most definitely. I think there there's countries that have made quite quite good and solid progress um, against the, the COVID-19, uh, you know, local outbreaks, if I can call them that. So Mauritius, for example, was, was a country that really insulated itself quite rapidly. You know, there was um, a lot of concerns that due to the high number of, of travelers that the country obviously um, experiences, um, you know, on an annual basis and specifically over the kind of, you know, peak period of COVID-19, um, that that could kind of really, really impact Mauritius and, you know, due to the high density of the, of the country's kind of residential settlements that this could cause quite a significant strain on the public healthcare um, system, but this did not come to pass, you know, there was quite an efficient and effective, um, you know, uh, if not call a lockdown, but kind of countermeasures to the virus employed. Mauritius has also been exceptionally good in procuring, um, you know, vaccines, if I stand to be corrected, but I think that they've also accessed the AstraZeneca, um, you know, vaccine that's manufactured in, in India. And they've, you know, kind of started that process of, um, you know, vaccinating quite a significant number of their population. Um, you know, a, a similar kind of setup we've seen in Rwanda as well. There were, there's been aggressive kind of containment measures employed, also aggressive measures in, um, you know, getting uh, getting vaccine um, distribution rolling out across the country. Morocco, I think, is the is the country um, in Africa at the moment that has the highest number of um, vaccinations carried out to date, and again, you know, has kind of demonstrated this ability to um, kind of contain and, and prevent, you know, the so-called second or potentially third waves of, um, of COVID-19 infections. 
So I think that, you know, if we do look at specific countries on the African continent, there are some uh, some shining stars, if I can call them that. Um, you know, but I think for the most part, um, you know, the lack of healthcare infrastructure, um, you know, poor governance, um, and also, you know, the fact that informal, for many of these countries, the informal economy plays such a huge role, um, you know, just to secure people's livelihoods that, that you know, issues such as stopping, uh, you know, marketplaces or, or, or stopping, you know, the use of public transportation services, which are not always regulated, you know, to, to be enforced with the, the correct and stringent hygiene protocols has been extremely difficult. And this has obviously led to the, um, the spread of the um, coronavirus, uh, you know, within these, uh, within these nations. You, you touched on the informal trading. I mean, we don't unfortunately have time, but the economic impact of COVID on Africa must be absolutely devastating. And I look just just as far as our neighbours in Zimbabwe, which many of the money comes from South Africa. It's just been absolutely devastating, um, Ryan. And I'm sure that would be subject for another whole discussion all in of itself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, just to, to sum it up, you've, you've got the issues on the informal economy side, you know, which has obviously impacted, um, you know, just your, your your usual kind of client-facing services, um, you know, that, that many people engage in. But then there's also the kind of backbone of a lot of African economies that's based in the extractive sectors, specifically sale of, of, of hydrocarbons. Um, you know, we saw a lot of countries such as Nigeria and Angola, you know, Africa's main oil producers being significantly impacted by the low demand of oil and obviously associated drops in uh, in the oil price, um, which forms the backbone of revenues for these countries and, and other states as well, where, you know, there's been a, a little bit of downturn in the demand for commodities, you know, due to lockdown conditions and, and lower pro- productivity levels. And, and this directly impacts these countries' ability to generate revenue, with that revenue then being used to actually fund healthcare expenditure. And unfortunately, you know, we might be in a situation where we... Um, you have a better grasp over this pandemic with the rollout of vaccinations. But I think from an economic perspective, a lot of African countries is going to be bearing the brunt um, of this pandemic for, for several years. Thank you very much. That was Ryan Cummings, Director of Signal Risk, a risk management consultancy with a special focus on Africa.